Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Calm across the waters. Calm across the mind. Cool me down the river, toward the boathouse. Lay me there, on the willowed bank, with sun-cast shadows leading to the moon underwater. shoes. Oh, uh, why? Well, it gets you to the pub quicker if you think about it. Yeah, but it means that you're stood about six feet away from the bar and you can't get any closer. I can't get any closer, no. I haven't thought it through. How am I going to get this drink to you? I'll, I could walk to the bar backwards. Uh, might work. <laughs> but then how are you going to face the bar to know when I'm handing you the drink is my question. Well, I think it will have to be like that improv game where you put... I have my arms behind my back and you have to sort of put your arms sort of under through my armpits to pretend to be my arms. Yes. And you can kind of reach the pint through and sort of have to, you know... Oh, like they used to do on Have I Got News For You? No, whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would have been weird if they did what Hislop did that. <laughs> I tell you what, if they'd done it to Boris Johnson, he might have made a better job of being the prime minister <laughs> yeah. uh, oh. what they could do robin is they could also make clown shoes with sort of normal size shoe sort of toe sections in the reverse yes so just like a little sort of like a size 10 shoe coming out the back of the clown shoe would that still be a clown if you saw a clown wearing that would you think oh that's definitely a clown clowns kind of need them well, no, what I'm thinking about is for a clown who just might every so often need a couple of minutes just with a normal shoe on the front. Right. So you just, like, switch them 180 degrees. Yeah, yeah, oh, I see what you mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to, I suppose you could then use ride a horse and use them as kind of spurs. Clown jockeys, they're called. Clown jockeys, indeed. Welcome to the Moon Underwater. Uh, I'm John Robbins, and I'm the landlord of this uh, sacred pub. But it is a sacred pub, isn't it? Yeah. 
Have you seen The Rude outside? Oh, The Dream of the Rude. The Dream of the Rude. The Rude Dream. You've had a rude dream in your time, haven't you? I've had a rude dream about a dream of a rude. Yeah. And actually, I was reading The Rude earlier, Robin. You read The Rude? Is that like reading The Room? No, no, I was reading The Runes on The Rude. You read The Runes on The Rude? Yes. Which helped you to read The Room? Yeah, well, I read them in The Room, didn't I? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I read The Runes on The Rude in The Room... And do you know what they foretold? Oh, I can barely even comprehend. They foretold a visitation of a guest from many, many realms away. A sort of a strange area of the correct realm. It, it felt like... I'm no expert in reading the runes, but it felt like it was a, it was a sort of a reverse realm. Yeah, an upside-down realm. Potentially an upside-down realm. So I look forward to finding out more about that. And yes, here they are. Here they are at the door of the moon underwater. The latch moves, the door creaks. Many children run inside. (laughs) Many children who can throw their voices and, I dare say, their bricks and things around them. It's Max Rushton. Hello, Max. Am I allowed to bring uh, children into the pub? I mean, it's my pub, so I guess. It's your pub. It's, it's your pub. Probably the, the most common thing to be banned in, in the pub by guests is children, but you've got to make your own rules. True. I mean, I wouldn't mind that rule, <laughs> generally, as a kind of an escape from having a, a one-year-old. But I don't want to be that person who just talks about having a one-year-old when it's actually all you talk about when you have a one-year-old. So my apologies for bringing it up this no, early. No, no, no. No, no, no. And interestingly, I was reading some runes on a rude in the room earlier. There were, were actually a couple of rules on there. And one of them said it's okay for Max to bring the, the distant voice of a one-year-old with him into the pub. Perfect. Yeah. It is mine. Yeah. That's good stuff. <laughs> when you asked me to do this, and it's a privilege to be here. And um, I've enjoyed looking back over my life through pubs because there's always a pub that like fits with every part of your life is this mainly the Barry Glendening debrief pod well it's my question <laughs> well what a debrief it would be um yeah many have said that Barry Glendening's visit to the moon underwater was the greatest visitation of any guest to any realm in the history of audio murmuration but that's not for us to say that's for that's for future generations to say i think but Max, you're a, a celebrated football journalist and presenter, so I wanted to ask a question to you that I, I think I forgot to ask to Barry. Because as you'll see, there's there's no football on here in the moon underwater. We don't really have football in this realm. My question is, is football rubbish? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Because I used to think it was good, and then I just thought it was bad and now I just think it's quite rubbish I think if you work in it and I've worked in it for now 15 years probably I think occasionally the magic does go because suddenly it's not your escape is it like everything else is your escape whereas football used to be your escape from you know real life and so sometimes I do think oh I don't really I don't really want to watch Everton Southampton this morning I'd quite like to just do something else. But then occasionally it will just, there will just be something that happens. There'll be like a run of games or there'll be something that reminds you why it's magic and why you loved it when you were 10. And then I think when I talk to my friends who have proper jobs, 
that, you know, you get worn down by it, sort of anything, right? And so I think a lot of, you know, mentioning Barry, a lot of football journalists are quite weathered. Oh, he's, he's weathered. <laughs> yeah, he's weathered. But, I mean, I'd be we- even more weathered if I was talking about something I didn't, I didn't love when I was 10. Yeah. There's definitely enough of it for me to think I really love this. Obviously, when you strip it back, it is quite bleak when you look at who runs football teams. And, there's, you know, there's a lot of depressing things within the game of football. But there's just enough to sort of draw you back in. But John, do you, do you have the thing, which is kind of what I have? I mean, personally, I, I'm such a, I'm a kind of fair weather fan who watches the Euros and the World Cup. You know, two years goes by without me watching a football match. And I kind of think, oh, God, there's a lot of stuff where nothing happens. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Uh, no, I, I actually think it's quite a, a boring game. Really? Right. Do you not think it's the most aesthetically pleasing sport? Yes, it has a. Its simplicity gives it its beauty. I would say, but also the sort of the the um, the, the argument of whether you like a sport is quite difficult because either you do like it or you don't like it. So I know I love cricket, but if somebody doesn't like it, I can't explain why it's great. Yeah, I think for me, it's like there's always something happening in cricket, which isn't the case in football. No, I don't think I can buy that. <laughs> I mean, I, I like there's quite often literally nothing happening. No, that's I did. That's not. I don't think that's true. But I think that with football, it, you know, like, to go back to what I was saying about the, you know, the bits where nothing's happening. It's just because nothing particularly exceptional or exciting is happening. There's still all, well, the ball is always moving. Well, it's not. <laughs> but also, like a, a the, the reason, like a goal matters. So if you compare. To a lot of American sports, where there's just there's just so many points, you know, it's just never ending. Like there is a real importance to that, and there is a beauty to just some footballers, to Messi or Hoddle or Berbatov, just the way that they move. It has a grace. To it's it. rare moments of of sort of exceptional action. Well, that's why it's good because of the rarity, isn't it? Yeah. I think I'm looking for, I, I prefer a sport that sort of there's always something there's always like so in cricket there can be a battle going on mm. even if I mean runs are always being scored balls are always being bowled yeah you you get that it's almost like you reset every 60 seconds this could be the one someone once tried to do this analogy with me for rugby like it's always it's kind of this attritional thing and it's always good to watch from this kind of holistic view of like territories and and I think that, that I think that is rubbish. <laughs> well, well no, I think rugby is better watched in the stadium because you can yeah. see all of the formations at once. Where I think I don't think TV does rugby any favours. Where yeah. I, I think football is perhaps better suited to TV. What do you reckon, Max? Has Ellis? How does he articulate his love for football? You must have had this conversation with him. I respect what Ellis likes about football, which is football as the story of like the working class experience. I think that's really interesting. I mean, Ellis, Ellis prefers old football, I think. Mm. I think we all prefer the football when we were 10. No, he actually prefers the football 50 years before he was born. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. No, I'm still on when I was 10. I like to have at least known the people. I've seen them running a bit. What was your first experience with football at age 10? What was it that... Well, my dad took me to Cambridge United, Exeter City when I was six. And at that time, you know, that stadium, which is in reality absolutely tiny, was like this sort of cauldron. 
and I heard things like we weren't a sweary house. We weren't like a pubby house either, right? I never, we never went to the pub. And so like, it wasn't a smoking house. So all these things kind of booze and fags and swearing. And I just found the whole thing sort of quite hypnotic. Now you're selling it to me, Max. (laughs) Now you get, this is what I'm talking about. I don't want to go straight back to the Barry debrief, but then I did listen to the, um, and I think it's important we manage our expectations. This will not have, my, my love of pubs is very simple. <laughs> so it won't have the highs or the lows of the Glendenning experience. But then I listened to you with Colin saying that after that pod that you stopped drinking. Yes, indeed, sir. And has that, has that stuck yeah, since that moment? Five months today. Wow. And what was it about that pod that led you to that? Oh, it, was, it would be churlish of me to, to lay, lay the blame at Barry's door. It was the 20 years leading up to the pod that was the, uh, that was the problem. <laughs> Fine, I see. No, that's, that's, that's very fair. I wasn't asking on Barry's behalf. I've just found that uh, quite interesting. No, it wasn't like I sort of saw a, a window into my own future. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer I was hoping for. No, no. I, I, in many ways, I saw a, a window into a future I probably wouldn't have because he seemed very content. He seemed very happy with his his sort of schedule, with his lot, in a way that I was increasingly incapable of sort of getting to that Zen state. He's definitely got there, yeah. He bought a... Um... He bought a chair to sit on when we went into lockdown to do the podcast because we did them remotely since the pandemic began. And he just said once he'd got the chair, he didn't need anything else. It's a nice attitude. It's beautiful. So you're allowed to smoke in the moon underwater. He's the first person to make use of that. Yeah, he did make great use of it. Yeah, I imagine he did. Yeah. But didn't Barry give up drinking for like a month in lockdown and he ended up watching kind of over 500 films or something yeah yeah. he sort of just didn't know how to fill his time or something like that he watched watched all of MacGyver (laughs) that's what it was brilliant love MacGyver (laughs) but Max something of a shared interest in all three of us I'm hoping will be the pubs of Oxford you went to uni in Oxford did you have a classic Oxford pub experience do you know what I've I've because I've written I've got my pubs written down and there's only one that makes it from that mm. era of my existence which is the Royal Oak. Oh, do you know the Royal Oak? What uh, Wood, Woodstock Road? Yeah, on Woodstock Road. I, I detect there, Robin. Not a you know that was not an affirmative. Wow, <laughs> was it? Was it? <laughs> well, that weirdly that's the closest one to the college where John and I went, St Anne's. But we never seemed to go there very much. We always used to go to the horse and jockey, actually, over the road, which isn't there anymore. Oh, yeah, no, 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 that, that also counts. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of after football, which we'd play down Woodstock Road, which is where our sports ground was, we would always end up either in the horse and jockey or in the Royal Oak and just sit there all afternoon. And I just don't do that a lot now. I'm sort of just sitting with people going, I might just sit here all afternoon and just... There's no reason to be anywhere else. And there probably was a reason to be somewhere else. I was an incredibly average, I don't know about you two, incredibly average student, like did really did not make any use of the opportunity that was put in front of me. And look back now and think, I I don't know if I wasted, just I could have done all the stuff. I could have done all the work that I managed to do in about six weeks. And really, it was a sort of waste of a place. They probably should have given it to someone better. 
is, is how I sort of tend to view that experience. This is like having a dream where I talk to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I'd have worked twice as hard, I might have got like, I don't know, I think I got like a 64. So like a straight, like middle of the road 2-1. If I'd worked twice as hard, I think I might have got a 65. I'm quite glad I didn't stretch myself. You make a good point. I came right in the middle. I got, literally, I was the, is it the median? I was the median person. Oh, that's I was the good. the most bang average of all the average people. But I had a lovely time. But I think the Royal Oak, I didn't, because um, college bars, right, which I wouldn't put in this because they're not real life, you know, were so much cheaper. So you just spent your time in there. Yes, they were. Yeah. And never a true word spoke. They were not real, real life. life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not at all. No. You tried to go back there. But you can't. No, you're not allowed in. I had a lovely time, but I don't, I think, I don't know what you think. A lot of people sort of reflect on that university experience being kind of this sort of seminal, life-changing experience for me. And I would just, it was just a sort of another fun three years of not really growing up. It didn't really see, it seemed, I sort of grew up in Cambridge, right? I didn't grow up in a college in Cambridge, but I grew up in Cambridge. So maybe my existence was sort of not dissimilar. But I just thought, oh, well, this was fun. But I don't look back and think, this was the years that changed me or made me or any of that, really. Mm. Robin? <laughs> well, probably the same, but I think I just suffered from nostalgia overload after leaving. Like, at the time, I had a great time, but it was just that the problem I had was adjusting to kind of real life afterwards, I think. Yeah, I think we're both seminal periods, life-changing guys. Possibly, yeah. I certainly think you leave with a hubris that you shouldn't have. Oh, yes. Because it's kind of weirdly drummed oh, into yes. you. Yes. That, that, you know... Oh, uh, now you've made it. And actually, three months later, I was working in a porter cabin in Ely doing data entry. Going, I didn't think this was, this wasn't like, I thought I was meant to be running industry now. Yeah. And I clearly am not, never will, you know. But I think the thing was that there were people who went to, you know, Oxbridge or other universities where it was just, they, there was a sense of entitlement when they left, which is like, well, I'm not going to put up with this job. I think I didn't really have that because I, I just wasn't, I was just, I, I just would do anything. I, just, I drifted, basically. But do you think that's a legacy of kind of the, the expectations that kind of were, I don't think anyone told, I don't think, I think it was a kind of like a nebulous thing. It was like a, like, there was no one who sat there and said, now your life is made. It was just a kind of this weird air of, I don't know, presumption about it. I remember our tutor saying to us the first day, he sat us all down in a room. The first thing he said to us was, you are the elite. Oh, wow. And I think that sort of echoed in my mind for about 15 years. <laughs> even when even when every single piece of evidence pointed to the fact that I really, really was quite mediocre. But do you also, like, I don't talk about it. I almost never talk about it. And, and I don't know why, but, like, in certainly it just, maybe it doesn't, doesn't come up very often. But I, I don't know if that's a sort of, not a, what is it like a not a guilt or just a kind of I'd just rather people didn't know you know really that's how I feel about it I yeah. think it's more that it's completely irrelevant like it's yeah, pretty maybe. much unless you go into that world like I don't really stay in touch with many people I went to uni with apart from Robin and a couple of others but if you go into that corporate world I think perhaps it has it, it means something but as soon as I it literally never ever came up ever again you didn't used to have a great bit of stand-up john where you'd say like, i went to the university of life 
and Oxford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind, you kind of jokingly show off about it in that kind yeah. of way, wouldn't you? But it was never like a part of any... Well, I haven't had a CV since 2004, but it's it's just... I'd love to see that CV. Yeah. <laughs> I think I still got it, actually. Yeah. I think I might have one from about the same time. Yeah, well, with that hill walking. I mean, I didn't even like hill walking, but just something at the bottom. Duke of Edinburgh Award, GCSE results. I like films. I like films. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so not a big pub experience for you uh, in Oxford, because the pubs of Oxford, more than the university, dominated Robin and I's thinking, well, still does in many ways. So where were you, a sort of lamb and flag Eagle and Child type. We were into Jericho. Oh, the Gardeners? Was it the mm. Gardeners Arms? Yeah, Gardeners, Gardeners arms, arms, the Hardcore Arms, um, the Bookbinders, the Jericho Tavern. Jude the Obscure. Jude the Obscure. Robin's a fan. I'm not such a big fan. Yeah. But I think actually it's more since we left because we kept going back for pub crawls together because we're so cool. <laughs> That's, there's a tragedy mm. about that. Um, so what was your sort of pub upbringing? You said that as a family, you weren't really pub goers. For you, the football stadium was the open-aired pub of your youth. <laughs> Weird phrase. <laughs> it's never been phrased that well before. Um, so no, I was never a pub person. My parents never went to pubs. And they never go, ever. Occasionally we might meet for a pub lunch, sort of nowadays. So I think the first, the first pub I ever went into was you know when you're about 15 and you're just trying to get in somewhere and me and two friends went to Flambard's Jazz Bar in Cambridge. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's such a great name. Flambard's. Yeah, Flambard's. And we sat sort of sort of hid ourselves right in a corner and we had obviously loads of coins. It was obviously have like you know just like a like a sort of handfuls of coins. But I think we sent the tallest one of us up to the bar to get three beers and that's sort of all I think that's all we knew what to order and it didn't go well and then we saw somebody in Flambard's Jazz Bar who we used to play football every week on Parker's Peace in Cambridge which is like this sort of expanse of grass in the middle of Cambridge where like everybody turns up on like a Sunday at 10 and it's just like 30 aside and it's 80 year olds and kids and everything and it's you know it's it's a brilliant place and that's where the first ever rules of football were put up and there was a guy in there who played football with us. And so we said, asked him if he could go and buy us some beers. And he went and bought us some beers. And that was our first, that was my first sort of, that was my first drink out in a pub. I'd been to like house parties of like my mate who was in the year above us. And he'd said, look, here's what you do. You get two cans of tenants extra strong because that's the cheapest way to get this done. And you just sit in a corner and drink them. And then when you go to bed, have a, have a plastic bag by your bed. And you'll be all right. It's completely insane. That uh, <laughs> totally ridiculous. That was the, the introduction to drinking as a teenager. Drink the strongest, grossest drink you can get your hands on. I had some friends who who would go to the end of a garden. I just between three of them just see off a bottle of Malibu. <laughs> like what? What world is this? Even I couldn't face. I that. love the idea that a load of fifteen-year-olds trying to get served their first idea of where they're going to sort of blend in is a. Flambard's jazz bar. <laughs> Flambard's. I don't know what we're, we're sort of aimlessly walking. The thing is, like pubs do have that kind of because it was it was downstairs, and so nobody could sort of see you walk in. None of the staff could see you walk in. Like, like pubs, pubs can be quite 
that there's that moment when you walk in the door, right? When you're young and everybody looks at you. And the Flambards didn't have that moment. They obviously saw you when you came down the stairs, but, but that felt, somehow that felt easier. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Well, let's see if you end up recreating Flambards. Uh, here. <laughs> Here's hoping. So uh, let's start with your first two draft items. What are you going for? Okay. So like a lot of people, I'm going for Guinness. Yes. Because you have to have it on draft. And actually, I, I, how, do you, how do you both feel about the toucan? I could never get in. I can. I've never been able to get in. It's always so busy. Just you can't go there at five thirty. Yeah. Between five thirty and eight is no no dice. You've got to get there at like four, and then it is absolute bliss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So me and my friends, I've still got a sort of really big set of of mates from sixth form college, and I reckon we'd all sort of slowly moved to London by about sort of early two thousands. And we, we said, look, once a month, we'll go to the Toucan and just drink Guinness. And we still do it. And obviously, like, when we, when we first went, we'd have seen each other on the Tuesday, the Wednesday. Then we'd go to the Toucan and we'd see each other on the Friday and the weekend. And then, obviously, as the years go by and people move out of London, it's less and less. But there is still, you know, there is still now a sort of Toucan WhatsApp group. There is still every month between four and, I don't know, at the most 12 of us who would go there. And because I live in Australia now, obviously I don't go, but like I've come back for June and July. So I've, I've sort of booked in those three. So those three happen. And you're right, you have to get there. One of you has to get there before five. Downstairs. Yeah, downstairs. You have to go downstairs. And just get one of the tables. Like it's just like, you know, that, and that's, that's the hard bit. And once one of you's in, but sometimes you have eight of you just round that tiny, you know, that nook at the end where like kind of you're under the stairs. Um, and one of you sitting on the giant Guinness chairs which is like the bar stool guinness chair so one of these like 
two foot above everyone else. But like, it's a really, it, it's a lovely pub. The Guinness is good. And the thing about moving away, right, is, is you know, it's really obvious the things you miss and your friends are who you absolutely miss. And so it would be wrong not to put Guinness in there because I like it. But also that means a huge amount to me in terms of what the toucan means. Then we always go and get, we always, we'd always go to a Byron burger on, they always keep closing down. The nearest Byron keeps closing down. But sometimes if the toucan's empty, they'll just let us get pizzas delivered in there. And that's a beautiful night. The Guinness there is superb. I would argue, this might be a controversial opinion, when it's quiet, it's got a shout being the best pub in London. It's just not quiet ever, <laughs> but mm. unless you mm. go in the in the day, you're right. By eight pm, it's empty. Yeah. Oh, so if you can if you can work through, if you can battle through those tough two hours. Well, I would go to probably, I would go to the Toucan at four. Then I would go to the oh, what's it called, the Nelly Dean of the Soho. Nelly Dean. Yeah. And then go yep. back to the Toucan at eight, and then you probably manage to straddle the busy periods. Yeah. Mm. That's a good idea. Have you ever seen Paul McCartney knocking about? There's offices, is right. Right I've never them. seen Paul McCartney. I did once see Noel Gallagher at the stationary section of John Lewis. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah. So, That's yeah, cool. he was picking a lever arch file. Wow. Yes. A new yeah. tax year affects us all. Everybody needs stationary, don't they? Uh, so what would be your second draft choice? Second, and I'm worried that you'll be upset about how unspecific this is, but the one thing you can't get in Australia is a pint of bitter. Mm. They don't do the, is it, I was thinking about this, is it a cask? Is it, what's the sort of pulley, pulley one? Cask ale, yeah. A cask ale. <laughs> so there we are, so my apologies. No. They don't, you just don't get yeah. a cask here. <laughs> I've been so judged. You're, you're going to have to be more specific than that, Max. <laughs> yeah. So listen, it is a kind of a, a London pride or a landlord or a Young's or something with golden ale written into it. It's like when I go to the pub and have a pint of bitter, look at this, look at the raid. There's real It's fine. No I gatekeepers here. I don't know if I, well, looks like there's a gatekeeper. Um, you need to say that you're going into a field. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just want a pint of bitter. I mean, I'll take well, a say landlord. Landlord's a great pint. Yeah, and I should I should know them better because I guess bitter isn't necessarily my go-to pint. I'd probably go, now I'd go back to sort of cooking lager in a pub. But because I can't get a pint of bitter here, you know, I hanker after it in a, such a way that when I go back, I'm so excited. In fact, we went back um, uh, and me and my wife went for a pub lunch, went to the Exmouth Arms. Oh, um, lovely pub. On Exmouth Market. I love Exmouth Market. And I used to live around there. And... Uh, I said, you know, I was so excited about a pint of bitter. And then I went to the toilet. I, I asked my wife, I was like, can you just get me that? I can't remember what it was called. A pint of that. And I came back and there was a pint of lager on the table. And because the bitter was off, the bitter was off. I obviously couldn't pretend to, I couldn't be openly as sad about that moment as I was. Because I was genuinely really sad because I'd waited like nine months to get a pint of bitter. But you can't complain about having a nice pint of lager in the summer in a nice pub in London so I just this is the first time I've been really open about that <laughs> but it was a sad time so what are we writing down here then uh, yeah I just and you know I've had a week to think about this but I just couldn't I couldn't I don't know which bitter is my favorite one I just whenever I go to a pub I just see what's about four percent and has ale written on it and I'll just drink that. Let's go for a landlord. Timothy Taylor landlord. Yeah. Is that okay? It's not too fruity. I don't want it to be too fruity. Oh, it's no, no, no. It's not fruity. It's a very good pint. Timothy Taylor's landlord. 
I am just a pub. We head towards the bottles and or cans. Cooking lager did come up there. Is that going to feature? Yeah, well, you need a lager. And actually, I, I'm, I'm as happy with a bottle of lager as draft. I don't know if you are. Depends on the vibe of the situation. Uh, we were talking earlier about not ordering a, a bottle of lager in a pub always feels weird. <laughs> yeah. Mm, true. What, 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 what are your faves? What, what, are we, what are we chatting? So I would go, I'd either pick nostalgic old school Big Grolsch mm. with the... With the, the rubber... The nice lid. Yeah. Yeah, the nice lid that you could put on your shoelaces. The lid I'd put on um, the rubber things on the end of your guitar strap so the strap doesn't come off. Oh. Yeah. But then doesn't that mean you can't recycle or reuse the bottle? No, you just pull the little rubber bit off, you know. How do they recycle those bottles? Someone's job to take out the little metal bit and the little (laughs) sort of um, china lid. Yeah. But don't you think that about a lot of recycling? Like, I think a lot of... When I'm putting this in the recycling, I think is this this isn't going to be recycled. I feel good about it, but this has had raw chicken in yeah, it. Yeah, there's there's too much hummus in this for it to be recycled. This is going yeah, straight in landfill. Yeah. Maybe Grolsch was the first moment when they realised. <laughs> yeah, we can't do this. None of this is <laughs> none, none of this is actually being recycled. We got the guitar strap thing. We got the what was it? Shoelaces you used it for? Yeah, they used to put it. People used to really cool people who would wear like. A James T-shirt and DM <laughs> boots would, uh, and had cut, had long yeah. hair. Or, you know, they would they would put the Grolsch tops on their shoelaces. Wow. Yeah, they were people to envy in CB1. So, are we going big Grolsch as your first choice? So, no, 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 no. There is there is another one. There is a German lager called Javer, mm. which is I don't know if it like, honestly. I don't know. I don't know what you think. I think if I did a blind taste test of lagers, I would get them all wrong. Right? Mm. I just don't know if I've got the palate to work out which is which. But I went to Germany when I was 16 on like a work experience exchange. And actually, I spent a lot of time in a man's Robin Reliant who smoked a pipe and wouldn't let me open oh, it. Nice. <laughs> it wasn't a very pleasant experience. But we drank a lot of Jaeva. And then I moved to Berlin when I was 18 for six months, which was sort of pretty... You know, it was a quite exciting city. So you went from what? Hang on, Flombard's Jazz Bar to to fine German lagers in the space of a year. Mm. Basically, yeah. Well, no, no, no. Three. I'd say three years. So, so straight after school, I got I got on a bus and went to Berlin, which took a long time. Bus and a train took a long time, and lived there for six months. Everything's open so late. Like I'm very, I'm designed around a pub. Like I fall asleep at 11 p.m. at the absolute latest. Like there's just no wherever I am, and so Berlin was quite a difficult place for me because nothing opened before midnight, and so I'd just be carried asleep to a place. But I drank a lot of Jaeger there. I might have had one bottle of it in the last 20 years because you don't ever see it anywhere. But if it tastes like I think it tastes, then I'm having that. Mm. Have you had that, Rob? Yeah, it's a nice, a really nice pilsner. Yeah, it's lovely. My niece went on a school trip to uh, Paris recently for a day and a night, and they they took them on a coach. It took 14 hours to get there, 14 hours to get back, and they were in Paris for about 24 hours. What a complete waste of everyone's time. (laughs) Part of school is realising how sad coaches are. Actually, I used to have to get, when I went from Cambridge to Oxford, which is not very far, the X5 was the coat it went through everywhere it literally took about four hours it was it was such a brutal 
I was bereft by the time I arrived. Mm. That's why I didn't do very, you know, that's why I was so average as a student. I was just tired from the X5 experience. So we've got, uh, so far, Guinness, Landlord and Yeva. What's your second bottle and or can? This is where I get wine in, right? If you want to, yeah. So I have, I'm having, I'm having red wine. <laughs> That's right, need to be, need to be more specific. <laughs> Look at your faces. <laughs> just not very good at knowing like at the moment I'm drinking a lot of Rioja because I like I think I like it but I like if you gave me a bottle of Shiraz and told me it was Rioja I'd probably just agree with you but what a mean trick that would be of us to do if we gave you a bottle of what Shiraz be- and told you it was a bottle of Rioja <laughs> all the nasty things to do but I um I was at some dinner you know when they pour the wine at a restaurant and someone has to try it so years ago I tried the red wine and I said it was fine and it was totally off and corked and from that moment, I'm just never sure. You know, you know when I'm, you've had a bottle on the top for about three or four days, and I'm, I spend a lot. I drink like two glasses of it, thinking, I don't know if this is okay or not. But it's getting okay. The more I have of it, the more okay it is. Where did I get this thing about you should only sniff the wine when the wait, waiter or waitress does that? I think it's sniff the cork, isn't it? But they don't give you the cork to sniff. <laughs> no. no, but I think they do. Okay. They might sniff. But I basically did that the other week and the, and the waiter laughed at me because I didn't taste it. I just sniffed it. Right. But I thought I was being kind of, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, does it? No. I would, I, <laughs> yeah. But you know when like you've ordered a bottle of wine and then they come up and they show you, the, that bit where they show you the bottle and you go, well, yes, yeah, that's fine. Like we just, this bit is an unnecessary bit of this experience. It's like when the barber shows you the back of your head. It's like, I don't, I don't know. It seems all right, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Yeah, go for it, pour out. Yeah, I've not seen that for a month. Yeah. I look forward to seeing it again yeah. in, in five weeks. You try and sniff the back of your head and sw- swirl the back of your head round your mouth yeah. to find out if your but hair's it, gone But off. it's bad for them to taste the back of your head. You just yeah, yeah, yeah. sniff it. It's, it is. And difficult. Yeah. Technically, a difficult skill. And you should always spit the back of your head out. <laughs> yeah, don't swallow it. Um, it's, the worst is when you actually go on a back of head tasting (laughs) yeah yeah to a hair yard (laughs) (laughs) cellar yeah so are we sort of uh, are we sort of no 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 no, no, i'll go more specific i will i will will. (laughs) otherwise you know i i feel like i should do that for you me and my wife drove to italy one holiday which is a great holiday just got in the car and just drove there and ended up in a place called barolo oh lovely and we didn't know anywhere, anything about it at all. But it turns out there's some really good wine in there. We went to this wine tasty place. A vineyard, I guess it's called. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the technical term. And um, I was just like, look, whatever one we like, they bring out three bottles of wine. Whatever one we like, we'll buy it. Because we don't buy, don't buy it. I don't know what, what I'm like. Spending 20 bucks, about 12 pounds on a bottle of wine is probably what I'll do these days. And um, they bought out three bottles. And one was... 200 euros one was 80 euros and one was six euros and the one we liked the best was the six euro one which just i was quite pleased with so but i'll take an expensive bottle of barolo because one day maybe i'll learn okay that's what i should like so you bought the six euro bottle of wine from the vineyard (laughs) yeah i guess if you just it's whatever you like we said, don't tell us which is which. Oh, that's quite good so you covered covered yourselves there i wonder if everyone buys the six pound six euro one i wonder if they even make the six why would you bother making a six euro (laughs) bottle of wine and selling it direct from the vineyard 
just just for people like us, for people that you want to sort of get rid of, I guess. But doing it blind's mm. quite clever because then they can't mm. accuse you of um, going for the cheapest. True, but I think I always go cheapest in a restaurant. Always, mm. just house is fine. A good judge of a restaurant is how good its house wine is because it should be good. Mm. And they shouldn't be serving you bad wine. Yeah, but I also don't know. Like I just I drink it thinking this tastes all right to me, but you know I don't know. I think you had this chat with Barry, didn't you? I think I've once had one really expensive glass of wine and it did taste nice, mm. but I couldn't really notice discernibly. I, you know, if you hadn't told me, I would never have known. It rarely tastes that much nicer. Doesn't, I, I, be, I bet the 80 euro one wouldn't have tasted 12 times better than the 6 euro but one. I think our most yeah. things arguing about what the 0.01% is like. You know, what my girlfriend was saying about she dropped off a work car and the, the guy said, oh, it's a, it's a good little motor, this, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, is it? It goes along, doesn't it? It's a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> How's the handling? I've literally no idea. Like, I turned the steering wheel, it, it goes went left. What else do you want Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's find out if the lovely Robin Alder is going to test the 0.01% of our brain cells in the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Welcome to the Moon Underwater pub quiz, which I wrote in The Bishop earlier tonight. It's a music pub quiz. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to name three albums and all you have to do is tell me the year that they all came out in. Mm. Does that make sense? So three questions, each with three albums. How's your music knowledge? Average. Okay. I had a pilot at, I did lots of pilots at like Radio 1 yeah. and Six Music. I did one at Kiss and I listened to Kiss before I went in and I said to the man, I said, I can't, we, this can't work. Like, and I was desperate for a radio show somewhere, and I was just like, I'm just so noisy. Really? It's just too much. It's just it's too, too much. No- I thought it was quite an honourable thing yeah, to, me yeah. to do. I would, just, I would have been the man who said JZ. Right. But like, <laughs> ask me about indie music in 1994, and I might be okay. Okay, right. You might not be in luck. But uh, <laughs> I don't want to give any clues. Anyway, so we'll, I'll, I'll ask the questions, and then you, know, you can make notes, and we'll do the... The answer's in part two. So the first question is, which year did, the, did these three albums come out? Elephant by The White Stripes, Hail to the Thief by Radiohead, and Room on Fire by The Strokes. So that's a, a heady year. Okay. Okay, okay. Question two, in which year did these three albums come out? Diamond Dogs by David Bowie, my favourite David Bowie album, which I'm told is kind of... Uh, Bit of a curveball, but it's really, really good. Fulfillingness's first finale by Stevie Wonder, interesting album, and Pretzel Logic by Steely Dan. So Diamond Dogs, Fulfillingness's first finale, and Pretzel Logic. Which year did those come out? And the last question is: In which year did these three albums come out? Parade by Prince, Color of Spring by Talk Talk, fantastic album. And Master of Puppets by Metallica, which is also a great album. 
pastor of Muppets. So those are your three questions. Good, good quiz, good quiz. Thanks, Robin. Folks, we're going to leave you now, ending part one of Max Rushton's Moon Underwater. So far, he has Guinness, Timothy Taylor's Landlord, Yeva, and an expensive Barolo Italian red wine. We will see you back in part two and take you off of those triple-yeared album tenterhooks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.